Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of What's New in Adapted Physical Education. I am so happy to be here uh, with three doctoral students in the field of adapted physical education. And we have, uh, yeah, three young scholars in the field, and they are working with this new consortium uh, that's happening at multiple universities. And they're going to be much more experts in it than I, so I'm going to allow them to kind of talk about that for a little bit. But so real quick, and I, I don't want to, um, I want to, I'll say I have Thomas from the Ohio State University, and then oh. Justin Bush from Old Dominion University and Chloe Simpson, West Virginia University. Hey, those are simple last names. I got it. Nice work. <laughs> um, yes. So with that, if you all could just take a, a few minutes and introduce yourself briefly and talk about your background in adaptive physical education. Sure. So um, again, I'm Thomas. Um, I use he, him, they pronouns. And I started my, um, I guess, start in adaptive physical education. Um, really starting from undergrad, I did my background in health physical education, got a lot of great experience in getting to work with some people in the field to um, to get exposed more to things like Special Olympics, capabilities. And so that really piqued my interest and I found a lot of passion with that. So I decided to continue my studies um, with my master's, um, specifying in um, individuals with disabilities at the University of Virginia and continue on to get my PhD. Hi, so I, I'm uh, Justin Bush and I'm from Homer, Louisiana. I did my undergraduate at the University of Louisiana at Lafayette. And it's a typical story. I started off in health and PE. And then towards the end of my program, I got introduced to adaptive physical education through Dr. Wilson, who was our swim and gym program director over there. And he talked me into volunteering for the program and I absolutely loved it. So I took additional coursework to do uh, my add-on certification. And ever since then, I just, I love researching it and working in the field. Hey Scott, thanks so much for having us here. Um, so I am Chloe Simpson. I am at the West Virginia University. Um, I grew up in Clarksburg, California, um, out in the rare California country. Uh, I did my undergrad and during undergrad, my dad experienced um, a stroke, which led me to have a better and greater passion uh, for working with individuals with disabilities. And um, in changing my degree to kinesiology, I started working at an autism center and learned about adapted physical um, through that and went to Oregon State University for my master's. And now I'm here. That is awesome. I want to hear now. So I'll talk briefly about my experience. So, you know, uh, your PhD experience to me is something that you never, it's like something that will be with you forever. Uh, I've noticed that even people like in 40 years, like that are, uh, you know, my senior or into the field, like they still talk about their PhD programs quite a bit. It, it's a, and your journey even to get to that PhD is, is a big one. And I, I reflect on it. I don't know, I, I, on a daily basis, maybe of what brought me to this PhD program, what brought me here. Uh, and I don't always know if I have a super clear understanding or, you know, it's just sometimes the dominoes do fall. 
Uh, but, you know, I, I do reflect on it quite a bit. And I think, you know, obviously my passion in research and my passion into the, the field of adapted physical education. Um, and, and I think a, just a general curiosity kind of drove me. But with that, I want to kind of hear from you all about what was your journey that made you decide to pursue a PhD? Um, I guess I'll go ahead and start. So for me, it really has to start back with my upbringing um, in terms of I grew up in rural communities and with my respected heritages, um, I always saw um, as an African-American, as a Gullah person in my home communities and my religious circles, um, I didn't see a lot of opportunity for people um, who had disabilities to really engage with their communities. And so moving forward, um, that was always kind of in the back of the mind that I had in terms of, I guess, those were the seeds of passion that were planted. And just because of the household I grew up in, um, my parents were always like, well, you're going to get an education, so you got to make sure that you are putting yourself in place so that you can, you know, make the biggest impact possible, and that is through education. So I kind of went along those, um, those trails. And so as I went through my undergraduate studies and realized adaptive PE was a thing and that there is a way to make impact through that field, um, it made me just want to learn more. I want to, in everything that I do, make as much impact as possible. Um, as much positive impact as possible. And to do that, I want to just continue learning. And that way, when, um, as I continue to work in the field, that I'll be able to bring us forth as much resource, opportunity, and knowledge as I can to um, my respective communities and others as well. So that's kind of what led me into the PhD route. Thank you for sharing. That's, uh, yeah, very noble. I, you know, I, at least I can relate to the idea that I think that, you know, I mean, I don't know any communities in America where people with disabilities uh, have, you know, um, ample opportunities to engage in physical activity. So I think that's, you know, I was a, a big driving force for me too. And I have a brother with a disability um, that kind of, you know, put that into my light too. So yeah, absolutely, man. Justin, what, um, what kind of brought you to your, your path? So what brought me to my PhD program was just working in my undergrad. You know, like I said, I had Dr. Uh, Wes Wilson. He, he was new to our university and he kind of just really like, took me under his wing. And, you know, we would, we would go to class and then I'd always stick around because I had tons of questions. And, you know, he would just follow up those questions with more questions. And we would just, it would turn into like this, this inquiry and this walk and we would, you know, think about things and talk about things. So I, I realized that there were a lot of questions left unanswered in this field. Um, and I just had a drive to want to answer those questions. So I started doing more research and reflecting back on my own experiences in grade school. And, you know, they really didn't have, I don't remember seeing an adaptive program or any community-based programs where students with disabilities can go and be a part of the community. So I just, I feel like it's my duty to kind of, you know, give back to my community and, and to provide them with opportunities that I didn't see whenever I was growing up. Chloe, can you tell us a little bit about your experience and how you got to your decided on the PhD uh, program? 
Yeah, thanks. Um, sorry if my internet drops again, um, but I was so surprised. Um, if you would have told little Chloe that she was getting her PhD, she would have never believed you as a student with learning disabilities. It just really was an inconceivable feat. Um, so when I started my master's and I gained opportunities to succeed in research and in teaching, um, I really developed that passion and saw that I really could do it. So that self-efficacy started to build um, as people around me were like, yes, you can do this. And um, I decided I wanted to get my PhD in the hopes of making education different and accessible for all um, because I saw the need for me and my dad and so many others. So, you know, I hear, I hear this, um, you know, this duty for sure from you all. And I think that was definitely a driving source for me too. Now, and, and maybe this applies more to Chloe than Thomas and Justin because you're, you're new into your programs. But, you know, one thing that I think as a PhD scholar, you know, um, that, that is finished is uh, I think, and I have conversations with my colleagues about this, is like, would you do it all over again? Because, uh, you know, as Thomas and Justin maybe are starting to, to find out, and, and Chloe probably knows, it's a grueling process. It's a grueling process of, um, you know, even just like the, the workload, obviously, right? And the expectations uh, put on to you by your university, your students, and even just like society when you say that you're going for a PhD. Uh, and then I think too, like just the, the grueling process of, to me, a PhD was a lot of like learning that I was wrong <laughs> about a lot of things. And, th and, then you're, and then you're in this process forever of just like, just always question yourself to the you know, to the nth degree, and it's a little exhausting, you know. Um, so, Chloe, if I can just ask you, I mean, I, I would have done a PhD if I could do it all over again, but I think that, you know, if I knew everything then, at least that the emotional part of it, I, you know, it definitely, I think I would, I would have different questions for myself. Would you do, do it all over again if you could um, go back to a few years uh, ago? Absolutely. No doubt about it. I'm so happy to be here. I mean, every day I see that my capacity for cognitive expansion and growth um, just continues to grow exponentially and it blows my mind. Um, and for everyone, everyone has a unique road. Nothing is going to be the typical road and to try to compare ourselves to others leads to this feeling of kind of like you were describing, Scott, like this imposter, like I can't do this. Why am I here? Um, and I think I would absolutely do it again. And if I could tell myself one thing, I would tell myself to put my health first and remember that you have yourself outside of your PhD and that your PhD is not your life because you can totally get lost in it. I think that's a really good point and honestly something that I've been experiencing since the beginning of the pandemic with, um, with a baby and the added responsibilities coming from the pandemic. And yeah, I think we all need to, do, and I think that's a PhD thing for all PhD students, not our field and, you know, and all people that, I think it is a consuming thing uh, and we do have to try to work on that, you know, that work-life balance. And I think that's difficult. All right, I wanna hear a little bit about each, and I'm very interested in all this. I, I, I admire many of the people that run the programs that you're at or all the people that are at, run the programs you're at. Um, and I think that they produce really good scholars. So I wanna hear a little bit about your PhD program and why you chose uh, the PhD program you're at. Um, so I chose to go to the Ohio State University because um, I did my undergraduate studies at Norfolk State 
University, and there had actually been a lot of OSU alums there. My advisor and Catherine Sullivan, um, I had Dr. Justin Hagel, who was working at ODU right across you know, the way, um, and Dr. Sion Park, so so many people. And so as I was kind of being molded and shaped and learning more about the adapted field, um, OSU was kind of a consistent theme in that. Um, and then even looking to, you know, look into intersectionality. That's one of my biggest research interests um, with all the intersections that I hold. I know that that's something that's very prominent in the lives of other people as well, especially adding the intersection of disability. And so I started looking into research regarding intersectionality and race and ethnicity and culture and those implications. And so, um, Dr. Words by, work by Dr. Samuel Hodge definitely continued to come up. Um, and so reading more on his research and others as well in the field, and just looking at the legacy that um, the Ohio State University has within adapted PE. Um, most anyone who I interacted with either had a degree from the Ohio State or had a close affiliation in research. So I felt very comforted knowing that um, that in going there that I would be able to at least hopefully find my academic voice and you know have as much resource and tool as I needed to you know better suit my long-term postdoctoral goals so those are some of the main things especially because OSU also has a lot of ongoing um, research programs and um, in terms of inclusion and adapted PE and things of that nature um, internationally. And so to be able to have opportunity to um, get to experience those things and hopefully um, and just continue learning in my growth process for what I want to do, it, it just felt like a good choice for me. I chose my program because I met uh, Dr. Hagel when he came, did a talk at our university in, in Louisiana. And he just was was talking about camp abilities and all the good services that they do. And I really got interested in it. And um, after through talking with him more and through my advisor, Dr. Wilson, uh, I knew that I wanted to pursue a PhD. And uh, what really stuck out to me about this program was the work that Dr. Hagel, Steve Hall and all the other doc students and the faculty do. It's a wide range of things. So coming into this program as an undergraduate, I really didn't know what my research focus was. So to be put in this setting where I have, uh, you know, colleagues working on something else and my professors working on something totally different, I had that opportunity to choose kind of what I wanted to, to research. And I think it's a unique opportunity. That's why I chose this program. So um, I chose West Virginia University um, because of networking through the really small community of adapted physical activity that you kind of referred to, Scott. Um, so I was kind of ready to take my next step towards finding um, some mastery in physical education, teacher education. Um, and so I had gone um, to Oregon State University and my uh, peer, Dr. Samantha Ross, was at West Virginia University and put me in touch with um, Dr. Andrea Talley Farrell about transferring there um, in December of 2019. Uh, so 
as we got talking, uh, I started becoming more and more interested in WVU um, as I learned about Dr. T's um, expertise in the field and starting to hear about the applied experiences I would be having at that school. Um, and it started to kind of complete that picture I was dreaming of for myself in gaining this mastery. Um, and then as I got to know Dr. T, she was really straightforward. She liked dogs and had a good sense of humor. So it felt like a really good connection, um, which is something also really important. Yes, that I mean, to me, that is probably the most important thing is that you have a relationship with the people that you work with, right? I mean, that mentor is what you're looking for. Um, you know, I, to me, I think it's more important to have someone that you can look up to that, that gives you the time uh, that's necessary and that you can relate to than having the similar research focus. Um, I think that's, you know, really, really key, as Chloe said. Now, Real quick, you know, I, I heard a little bit from you all on like some of some of your research that you that you've become interested in. Uh, I heard Justin, you know, briefly mention that he's still kind of maybe, you know, he's still got this wide range. And I think that's really normal for a PhD student to come into a, you know, a program and still kind of not know exactly what they want or have a kind of a, a, a you know, a variety of things that they want. Now, we'll, we'll go on and talk about the consortium in a second, but let's stick on that point for a, a moment. Um, what are your research focuses right now and, you know, how are you kind of identifying them? Um, for me, I'm still a first year student. So, I mean, who knows what my official research topic will actually end up being. But, um, you know, I learned that whatever you do and whatever you do to help your people and to help yourself help others. And so for me, um, just with my given background, it made the most sense because going through public school systems and just looking beyond as an African-American male and as a part of the LGBT community, I just didn't see um, people like me. And I didn't see that intersection um, represented in public school systems, not too much in academia and so forth and going on. And so for me, that intersection of racial identity and all those other things have always been very important in understanding how intersection impacts different people um, it made me want to make sure that I'm helping a further marginalized community in that regard. And especially, like I said, coming from um, my specific ethnic background and small rural communities in general, seeing the opportunities that are present and um, in general, just a lack of culturally relevant physical activity and physical education in an adapted sense. So um, those are kind of the general realms of interest that I have with regards to research and looking to see how I can, again, just make the most impact with that. So. You know, with that, Thomas, you know, I, I find, uh, you know, and I've had several conversations with colleagues that, that, that the intersectionality, you know, framework and, and perspective is so underdeveloped in our field from so many ways. And even, you know, touching on Many of those, even just as, a, uh, you know, looking at one of those things and looking at the intersectionality is often so underrepresented in our field as far, especially within the, the research, but also then who the academics are in our field. You know, when I go to these conferences, oftentimes I see people that look a lot like me and have very, very similar experiences as I did. And I find that to be such a detriment to um, our science because all of us kind of think alike. Um, so I, I think that's really great. And, and one other point is just even like rural communities. We have so little research that focuses on urban or 
uh, rural or like even just like even noting like what community setting it's in. Oftentimes we seem to just like kind of just don't even talk about it. But obviously, um, you know, like families and people, especially with disabilities, face very unique situations in those areas. And I don't think we've touched on those things at all. So I think that's awesome that you're looking at all that stuff. Sounds like you'll have a lot of things to choose from, though, from from all that, because there is so much yeah. to do. So, yeah, I'll definitely have to narrow it down. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome, though. Justin, what do you, what are your focuses, and how did you kind of get there? So again, I'm, you know, I'm a new first year, so I really am not super focused on really any any particular topic. Uh, but during my undergraduate, you know, I kind of got started with the research, and occupational socialization theory was kind of like the emerging thing that a lot of the uh, faculty were working on. So I kind of got involved in that. And then experiencing it firsthand, you know, doing the research and then being a student teacher at the time, going out in the field and seeing like, oh, wow, you know, these veteran teachers are not doing the best practices or the things that they learn in school are th thrown out the window as soon as they graduate. So I kind of wanted to get to the root cause of that and just learn more about it and maybe how to fix that later on. So I kind of really got involved with that and I like it. And then, you know, being here at ODU with Dr. Hagel, um, I'm starting to gear more towards inclusion and the perspective of, of students with disabilities in class. So. Absolutely. Those are, yeah, teacher preparation and uh, knowing, you know, Dr. Uh, Wells Wilson and Dr. Hagel well, I can definitely see that. Yeah. You're aligning his inclusion conversation that Dr. Hagel has is very fascinating. And, and um, you know, I've shown it to, I show it that podcast to my students every semester. And I always, you know, it's, I really like them listening to that podcast and because of the way he, how good he is at, at talking about it. Cause I, I see this perception change from day, you know, it, it's like night and day from just listening to that conversation. So it's pretty cool. Chloe, um, what about you? I'm definitely following in suit with uh, the struggle of narrowing it down. I think like as all of us being an academic, it probably means we have a curious mind. And for me, I have a curious and tangential mind. Um, so I'm obviously wondering about so many things. Um, but my research focus, um, Justin, I'm on board with you. So I am really interested in looking at how um, these physical educators develop um, skills to manage difficult and challenging behaviors within PE. Um, something that I've seen hands-on and within the literature is that um, challenging behaviors act as a barrier to inclusion in general physical education. Um, a lot of PE teachers are like, not my problem. And when we start thinking about that occupational socialization theory and where these beliefs came into practice, it could have been as early as first grade when they saw their peer keeping score in a wheelchair, right? And so looking at how over these three stages, people develop this belief that they can manage behavior um, and provide inclusive general physical education is a major interest. And then in a whole separate line of research, um, I'm really into 3D printing. And so I'm interested in um, looking into how 3D printing can assist um, inclusion and promote access to physical activity. Um, so I think it's a cost-cutting way to individualize um, assistive technology. And so I just got a grant for a 3D printer that I've been excitingly playing with and melting plastic. So I'll keep you all updated. Wow, that's pretty neat. I like that. That's awesome. Um, yeah, very interesting stuff. I, I, I like, you know, we got to, you know, 
some crossing, but also, you know, your own things. And yes, it is a process. And I think, you know, even me, uh, and I'm starting my third year as a faculty member. It's like, I mean, you know, I, I definitely have a focus, but there's, there's definitely, it's a mod podge, especially at first. So it's a process absolutely of kind of refining what you're interested in. So let's talk about this consortium. You all are, I, I'm very jealous of your experience from, uh, you know, my PhD because of this consortium that you're all part of. And, you know, I know that there's several universities involved. And so, uh, can you talk to me, can you a little bit, just tell me a little bit about what the consortium is. It's a consortium of, what is it, nine universities? Is that correct? Eight. I think eight. it's eight. Eight. Eight universities, and you're all, all all trying to create the best scholars in the world in the field of adaptive physical education. I think it's 25 scholars in five years that they're trying to get out into the world because we have a shortage of uh, experts in this area, right? So. Can you talk to me a little bit about what this consortium is? You know, what, what does it look like in practice? And then how is it kind of shaping your experiences? I can go ahead and start if you guys want. I was on the meetings last year. Um, so it's awesome. Scott, I really do think you should be jealous. Um, <laughs> it's quite the opportunity. Um, so it's eight programs and um, each faculty uh, from each of those universities represents on um, these bi-weekly meetings that we hold over Zoom. Um, and it's through different topics. So as you said, there can be up to 25 scholars. I don't remember how many there were uh, last term, but it was a handful. And so in these meetings, we get to kind of collaborate through all of the different schools um, and hear everyone else's interests. And so not only do you have like that social networking aspect, but me as like an observer who likes to sit on a fly on the wall, I'm watching all these faculty interact with each other and taking notes about how I'll do that later and how I'll be successful when I'm on that side. Um, so it gives us a lot of perspective in both like networking and developing in your personal scholarship. Um, and it's this cohort of students. So not only are you knowing the faculty above you, but you're building bonds with these students who, like you said, are gonna be out in the field and our future colleagues. So it's, it's a really cool experience. You know, I'm just kind of echoing what Chloe said. I can't speak to it too much because we, we haven't had any meetings yet this year. Um, but just the fact that we can collaborate and be in the social network with other doc students and their faculty and, uh, you know, get outside perspectives. Because uh, like you said, Scott, sometimes if you're in a place too long and you only talk to the same group of people, you have a very narrow minded uh, ideas. So being able to, to reach out to eight different programs and all these different doc students and faculty, I think is a unique opportunity. And just on that point, I, I find to me the the per people I like to meet the most is somebody that has a different perspective than me. That's like always what I'm looking for. Someone like to disagree with my thoughts because I'm like, why do you disagree? And to figure out why, you know, it's that's and yeah, so it's wonderful that you have that. Yeah, I think it's huge um, because it helps like we have these truths right we all come in with these truths and to have someone be able to disprove your truth and challenge what you're thinking is so important because how else are we going to continue making knowledge yeah um to echo everything that you all said ditto <laughs> um, but yeah just it, it's just an absolutely incredible opportunity and i feel extraordinarily blessed to be a part of this you know consortium and so just to know how much work has gone into it and just knowing all the scholars um, of different waves of time in the development of you know the field of adapted PE and 
adaptive physical activity. Um, it's honestly inspiring. And even within my own cohort at OSU, I also have a colleague who's on the grant as well. And so even hearing their backgrounds is incredible. And so just having this networking opportunity, um, it's very comforting and it's also very encouraging knowing that so many people are gonna go forth because even if we are as individuals, one person, the impact that we can have on, you know, another one person or another five or another 25 um, can make a world of difference. So it's just exciting to be a part of and I can't wait to just continue growing and developing in it. Yeah, again, I, you know, when I heard about it and some of the experiences I've heard so far, I'm like, wow, this sounds really unique in our field. Uh, and because we have a small field, I think it is a little easier to do some of that stuff. And I'm happy that we are doing it, that we are collaborating, we are growing, and we're trying to raise the, the profession. Um, so, okay, what has been your biggest surprises thus far about getting a PhD in APE? That's such a hard one to address. Um, I mean, like the obvious would be that we're in a global pandemic, right? Did any yeah. of us think we were going to start our PhD and a global pandemic was going to set in? I think the other thing that really surprises me every day is this capacity for cognitive growth. It feels like there's like these knowledge epiphanies on a daily basis reading, and that is so exciting to me. Um, so I think those are my two surprises. As I started asking that question, I was like, I don't know if that's a good question. And the way I asked it, maybe what I should ask, and you bet you did a good job of answering it, even though I maybe didn't ask a great question, but, and this will all stay in the podcast. Um, what has been the hardest thing maybe, that maybe that's what I should ask. What has been the hardest thing so far about getting your PhD? Yeah, well, I can answer that one. <laughs> uh, I mean, the hardest thing obviously is, you know, this pandemic that we have going on and being able to, or being ha forced to collaborate via Zoom and through emails is just, to me, it's a little impersonal as, you know, doing my undergrad and doing these research meetings with all the faculty at ULL, we all got in a conference room, we pitched ideas, we took notes, and we come back the next day and do it all over again. So I feel like, you know, having to work remotely is, is a big challenge for us going forward. Um, personally, for me, there have been different challenges, but with those challenges have been a lot of innovation and a lot of new ideas. So it's just like, personally, um, I've unfortunately had a lot of family members pass due to COVID-19. So in between the span of March and, um, and I guess till now, I've had six family members pass away, unfortunately. So that's been pretty heavy. And as well as the ongoing social justice movement, um, and a lot of the things that are being seen that are the day-to-day -day lived experiences. So with those things combined, um, I guess, again, to an extent talking about intersection, those are things that are constantly weighing. And in, in terms of also, you know, going through things like, say, imposter syndrome or getting adapted to a new university setting and, um, and even the aspect of, you know, um, remote education and, you know, and during this time. But so those have been some of the things that are with me, but also I have to sometimes sit back and say, wow, because <laughs> people are amazing. And it's incredible to see how people and even myself are, you know, adapting to online learning. It's incredible to see, you know, how people are still forging forward in the field. I see so many people, you know, doing online um, 
sessions with adaptive physical activity and adaptive physical education. I see new aspects of research. I see that these times have, you know, um, you know, really helped show a broader aspect of people's lived experiences that and how they might be addressed during this time. So for me, um, those have been some of the challenges, but it also leaves me a bit hopeful that, you know, us starting at this time and being in this cohort at this very pivotal time, I feel like it'll be very influential, at least for me, moving forward and how I approach the field and how I, um, I guess, approach the world. Thomas, if I can just say it, like Mike, uh, if I can give you my condolences on your family loss, that's uh, really, really hard. I've been dealing just with fear of like of myself and uh and my family and stuff like that and no so i i i um yeah i can't imagine so i'm sorry to hear all that um i will echo though that i that there's been some some uh light at the end of the tunnel with innovation that i've seen that has made me kind of hopeful too and even thinking about uh inaccessibility for people with disabilities often to physical activities and to even go outside of their home. I think that there, there is, and it might be for not all people with disabilities, but I mean, that's the field is that we're, we're talking about individuals often rather than groups, but like um, that this use of technology, the way that it's used may be able to provide some of them with more meaningful physical activity than they were able to access before. I think those questions are still things that we need to figure out. But um, you know, for years now, the disability community has advocated for more online learning, more online um, things for, you know, again, that's not every person with a disability, but um, I do think that there's some avenues that, that are opening up from that, that might be advantageous for um, a generation. Chloe, do you wanna add, I know you talked about your surprises. Do you wanna talk about anything that's been kind of the hardest thing for you to overcome in this PhD process? Yeah, sure. And to echo Scott um, Thomas saying, I'm really sorry for your losses. That's incredibly challenging. It's such a difficult time. Um, I think also the points you talked about in how we've had to shift on our feet and adapt to this new kind of society um, and reality uh, really informs these mental barriers people hold in providing access to individuals with disabilities, right? Like in the span of two weeks, people had to flip around and put their classes online. And I think um, that as the field of adapted, we really can use this as kind of like a point in that, look, look, you can make accommodations. You really can bring things to people. Um, so I find this fire under me in that, um, sorry to go a little tangential, but um, I think my biggest challenges and it's in everyone, imposter syndrome will be part of my entire life. Um, but I think that like finding ways to find self-efficacy and then finding perspective because I often can get so focused in and if you can't tell, I'm kind of a nervous, anxious person. So I'm constantly perseverating. Um, and so I think trying to remind myself to find perspective, find perspective has been my greatest challenge. I, and that imposter syndrome, yeah, it doesn't go away. I, for me, one thing that I've, I feel like I've done is I've gained this, a network of colleagues in similar, you know, at least career situations or, or things. And obviously you want them to challenge you on your thoughts and ideas, but also for me, like sometimes it's just that they're also like, I don't know, like they tell you you're worth something <laughs> uh, when you're down uh, and having people that you can say, you know, um, 
and especially now, like, I mean, the, the mental health crisis and things like that that are occurring and maybe it's okay to slow down those types of things um, from your colleagues versus just the workhorse mentality that a lot of PhD people can have. So yeah, that's, that's, those are, um, yeah, thank you all for sharing those things. Okay, so I'm gonna end with this one. What do you believe is, will be, and, and has been your biggest takeaway from your adventure you've had? And then how do you think that this can be applied to other people? We're gonna have college students listening to this, um, APE teachers, um, other people in higher ed. So what has been your, your biggest takeaway so far in your PhD program? And then how do you think other people can apply that? Um, so my biggest takeaway was during my undergraduate and it was kind of like that pivotal point where I decided to, to pursue a graduate degree. It was working at the swim and gym programs at the same time, taking the, the prerequisite coursework that went along with it. So what we would do is we would go and we would run, it was the time and lifetime program. So we would go and run it for an hour and then we would come back and we would just sit in a circle and just talk about what was the biggest challenge? What was the biggest success? What are some things that we can do different for next time? So just having that collaboration of peers and actually thinking about the problems at hand that we experienced was just an incredibly impactful experience. And um, so like going forward, my advice would be, you know, to, to put yourself in that situation where you're invested, like you want to get something out of this and you want to make it better than when you found it. So and I think that, you know, collaborating with your peers and having good relationships with your professors is definitely the road to that. Um, I guess kind of echoing a lot of what Justin said along the lines of, you know, making sure that you're really invested and seizing opportunity. Um, I think, and maybe I'm speaking for myself, but I didn't imagine myself doing a PhD, not necessarily even so in adapted physical activity. Um, I didn't even know that was a thing. <laughs> and so had I not taken advantage of opportunities, had I not followed my heart and done different projects and you know really was keen on just talking to different people and networking um you know i don't i wouldn't have wound up where i am and so i think definitely um if there's something that i could say is you know definitely forge communities where you go so that you can continue learning you never stop learning and that's something that's very evident this semester that i'm still learning and i always will be learning so um, just continue to surround yourself with people who can kind of foster that education and, and more ways than one. Yeah, those are, it's hard as you guys talk about your takeaways, my list just keeps growing. Um, but I think first of all, find your passion. If it's not stimulating to you, say next, like goodbye, next thing. If your advisor is telling you you have to do it, um, find a new advisor because it is really hard to do work that you're not interested in. Um, and then remember that discomfort is part of the process. So we all really want to be comfortable, but like I say, just expect that you're going to be incredibly uncomfortable throughout your PhD um, because you got to set those expectations um, low. The next thing is uh, don't limit yourself with those expectations, right? So open your mind. Um, for me, I would have never seen myself in this position. So for you early students, I really challenge you to open your mind. Um, the world is limitless. You can do anything. Um, and then my final message would be don't celebrate your goals until you've achieved them. I think we make the mistake of saying, I'm going to get my PhD. I'm going to do this. But you know what? I have to wait to celebrate until I actually do it. <laughs> 
Very nice. That I like that list. That was good. Um, yeah, I think it's important to celebrate the small wins too, but obviously you also don't want to like, yeah, uh, say that one's in the bag because that one is a hard one to get in the bag. Uh, so, but anyways, um, I, I really appreciated having you all here and to talk about your research interest, your, your journeys um, and experiences. And uh, I hope that other people listen to it and it, especially those that are, that are considering a PhD program and kind of hear your perspectives uh, as well. Um, and yeah, and so again, in that consortium, uh, just to promote that again, I, I would, I am jealous of you all to have that type of experience, to have the fellowship that you're going to have now and hopefully years to come uh, from that. So um, again, thank you all for, for coming on. Thanks so much for this experience, Scott. Yeah, thank you for having us. Amazing.